I want to talk a little this morning a little bit about royalty again, and, and just uh, I, I feel impressed to just move, uh, uh, to 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 stir you, arouse you, uh, uh, provoke you that the the privilege of royalty is deeper than what we have ever experienced. The privilege of communion, the privilege of intimacy, the privilege of friendship, the privilege of fellowship, the privilege of, of knowing the Lord so closely, uh, uh, he's like a, a second skin to us. He's just so, so close, so knit, so near, is so far beyond what any of us have ever thought, and the Lord's trying to draw us into that. The Lord's trying to draw us into that, and it's the privilege of royalty. You know, I was thinking, uh, we have four, um, and um, and I was thinking a little bit about, you know, mom and dad talk. Uh, you know, mom and dad talk, uh, especially, and I don't know, I, I know that that we've evolved a bunch, families have evolved a bunch in a negative way uh, over time in my opinion, a little bit of a negative way, in that uh, maybe parents will have argument or fighting discourse in front of the children. Or maybe we let the children into conversations they shouldn't be let into. Or maybe we discuss things in front of the children uh, that shouldn't be discussed because we just want to be transparent or whatever it is. It seemed like there's a little bit of a, a, a negative trend that's developed in child raising over the last, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years. But there, there's something where, you know, children are kept from certain details of a family, and they're kept from even important details of a family often, and, you know, they're not brought in until maybe they're older, until maybe they're of age, till maybe, so maybe they would have understanding, or till maybe they would, they could carry those details in such a way that it wouldn't harm them, but it would empower them. It would empower them with wisdom. It would empower them with understanding. It would empower them with regard to the future. And, and this is, uh, and, and that's the way it was in our family a little bit. And, and you know, uh, with the kids, they would often want in on important conversations, right? So have you ever been that one that was peeking around the corner from down the hallway in your bedroom and you were supposed to be in bed and asleep? You know, and you know, they would often want into those detailed or there's deeper or those important or those financial or those relational conversations. You know, children want in on that stuff, but they're, they're not welcomed to the table of those conversations. And I think that's the way it was in the kingdom until the coming of the Lord. And the Lord brought us in. The Lord brought us into detailed conversation. He brought us into future understanding. He brought us into wisdom. He brought us in. He brought us into this throne room experience where we can draw near to God, where we literally, our spirit man is divinely connected to the throne right now. That's the part of you, by the way, that's seated with him, Ephesians 1, 21 through 23. That's the part of you that right now is seated in heavenly places. It's your spirit man. 
It's your spirit man that ascends in praise and worship. Your body stays right here, but your spirit man ascends in praise and worship or adoration or meditation, things we're going to talk about this morning. Your spirit man is the part of you that connects with the Holy Spirit, and it's not just the Holy Spirit coming down. We talk that way. We, we have language and an understanding, uh, and we discuss things like that, and a lot of that is Old Testament thinking, uh, and it's related more to the Old Testament thinking of the upon anointing or the Holy Spirit coming down, but we have this divine partnership where our spirit is so linked with his spirit now that we ascend and he descends at the same time. So he does come to dwell with us here, but we're also ascending and dwelling with him there. And it's actually the twofold interaction of that communion that makes this royal sonship rich and brings it to the fullness of walking in what God's empowered and called us to walk in and to be. We have an amazing privilege as sons and daughters of God. And we have been brought into the royalty of the throne and into the deepest discussions. And we get to interact in those discussions. We get to, we get to talk in the throne room at those discussions. I, I just feel like the Lord is, you know, there's, there's, something, uh, there's something about some... Uh, Something about religion, and, and I know part of it is, is Old Covenant or Old Testament thinking, where in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament period, it was only the prophet, the priest, and the king that had this anointing of the Holy Spirit that mirrored what we partake of as sons and daughters of God in the New Covenant. So by appearance of Scripture, it seems that the majority of those who were of Israel and of the kingdom, that they were left out of the deep things of God. And so we look, or, and we, we, and I believe part of this is deception, but we look and we see or understand or perceive the kingdom, much from that old covenant understanding, still even today it's affecting us and harming our faith, our boldness, our unity, our oneness. We even take communion. And do we realize what the word means? Common union. Oneness. U unity. That, that's what it means. And that unity is, is far beyond, far beyond what, we, what we've laid hold of or understood because so much of religion is focused on the forgiveness of sin and the getting to heaven instead of walking with God right now as Adam did in the cool of the day. Eden was that type of heaven on earth. God's walking with Adam. Jesus, the second Adam, comes to restore us to that depth of fellowship 
and to restore us to Eden. Eden and the fellowship are always interlinked, by the way. They're always interlinked. And so do you have that desire for more? Uh, are you afraid of more? Are you, are you thinking that more is not for you? Are you, when, when even in our midst is a little bit good, but a little bit more is too much. Are you disqualified from more? Are you, are you, are, are you one that doesn't see yourself actually entering into more? Are you allowing the common press of trouble or, or, or reoccurrence of a struggle over an issue keep you from believing that you belong on the inside, that you belong at the inner court. I want to admonish you that, that your freedom over an issue in your own life will not come outside of the throne room. It's actually going to come once you get in the throne room. You're waiting to go into the throne room or waiting to see yourself as royalty until you clean up that issue. But God's saying, come in, Jesus covers you. He cleaned it up for you. I see you complete in him. Come on in. And it's out of that place in the throne room that you'll get the victory over the thing that is snagging you, hindering you, or sabotaging you in your walk. It works just the opposite of how you think it does. It works just the opposite of how you think it does. You're thinking, I can't go in. He's saying, you've got to come in. You've got to come in. It's when you come in. It's when you sup with me. It's when you fellowship. It's when you prioritize. It's when you see yourself as a full daughter, a full son, a, a royal one. We've been hearing the news about the royals, right? And we've been hearing about, is it William that married Megan? And Harry, Harry married Megan? That's how much I know about the royals, right there. And now they want to leave the, th they want to leave the royals, right? They want to leave. Have you heard about this? You are royalty. You are royalty. You, you, you are brought near to Father. You are brought near to the throne. You have this crazy privilege that you must remember every morning. You know, um, water baptism works by faith. You don't stop sinning or conquer the carnal nature, the sin nature. You don't stop sinning and, and overcome uh, the sin nature after water baptism like automatically. What you do is you remember each day and moment by moment that that old person, that old desire, that old temptation, that old fear, that old mindset, I put it to death in the waters of baptism, that represents a dead person, and I don't need to yield to it, agree with it, listen to it anymore, because that person is dead, right? But do you remember, as you're walking that out by faith, that that same person is now presently resurrected? See, when you're waxing eloquent over sin, and we just really do good, we, we just do really well in just getting ornery over sin. 
and ornery with ourselves and ornery with others and judging ourselves and judging others. But when you're waxing eloquent on all of that, do you remember that you're resurrected? Do you remember that you're royalty? Do you remember you're one with Jesus? Do you remember that you have throne room privilege? Do you remember... Do you remember that you have the favor of the Son on you? That when Father sees you, He sees you through the Son. He can't see you different than He sees the Son. Do you remember that after you have that high-powered baptism thought? After you put that thing to death or declare whatever it is doesn't have authority over you, do you remember that you are the most privileged person on the planet? That you are a royal, that he's brought you in, and you don't need to forsake it for a, for, for a good life. I want to touch on, uh, I want to touch on something that I think uh, is pervasive and influential, then we'll get into some scriptures on this. And, you know, part of, part of why... Uh, we want to press in, of course, is because it pleases Father. Uh, Father created us for deep fellowship, and he actually created us for family business. He created us to co-rule with his son. He created us as a bride for his son. Even before the birth of the church, humanity was meant to be a bride for the son. Before the fall of man, before the birth of the church, you, humanity, you were in God's plan, scheme, and I before the fall and before redemption as the bride of the Son. You have been created as a co-equal with Jesus, created to co-rule the earth and the fellowship that we see in Eden in the garden, that fellowship was meant to be on a continuum. Did you ever think about that? That wasn't meant to be broken fellowship. That, meant, that, that fellowship was meant to continue all the way through the filling of the earth, having dominion over the earth, the populating the earth, the being fruitful in the earth. Adam's children were meant to walk in that fellowship all along. So though it was... Though it was broken, we have to see that God was restoring that because all along and from the beginning, we were meant to be co-rulers with the Son over the planet. We were never meant to rule without Him, always meant to rule with Him. Is that all right? So there's so, many, there's so many reasons. One reason, of course, is that we fulfill Father's desire, but... The secrets of life are at the throne. The secrets of Father are at the throne. Prosperity is at the throne. Protection is at the throne. Future understanding is at the throne. Perfect wisdom is at the throne. Accessing the supernatural is at the throne. And some of us feel like that's important. You might not feel like that's important, but I would rather live with the supernatural at my disposal than to live without it. What keeps us from, uh, what keeps us from running 
into a deeper place with him? What keeps us from it? Uh, I want to bring up something. I'm going to just take kind of a risky, a risky something. Hey, my Bible's there too. Could you grab it, honey? Underneath my chair. Craig's got it. Thank you, Craig. No, he's not my honey. Stop it. Thank you, my love. I want to bring up something that I feel like is important. Uh, did, you know there's, uh, did you know there's 160 million charismatic Catholics? 160 million charismatic Catholics. Now, what is charismatic? Charismatic is uh, the, the neo word, the new word for Pentecostal. What is Pentecostal? A Pentecostal, these are people who believe that when... The church was started on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, Pentecost, 50 days. That's where the word comes from. By the way, it's the same exact day that Jehovah touched down on Mount Sinai, Pentecost is, and with fire and delivered the word to Moses. Did you know that? I don't know if you knew that. So actually the day the church was started on Pentecost, but it was also started on the exact same day that the fire of God came on Mount Sinai and consumed the atmosphere with glory and God delivered the tablets of stone, his word. On that same day, he started the church. And the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the believers, and the believers had been told, you know the mission, but don't run off on the mission. All authority has been given to me, Matthew 28, 18, and 19. All authority has been given to me, but don't run off on the mission. They were told this, Luke chapter 24 and 49. Wait until the Father sends what was promised by the prophet Joel. Wait until the Spirit is poured out upon you, for you will receive power from on high. This is what he said. This is Acts chapter 1 and verses 8. You will receive power from on high. And, and so God was going to empower the church with supernatural grace, supernatural ability. And we believe, according to the word, that that, that grace, that privilege, that, that royalty now of being graced with supernatural power. I mean, it just sounds crazy, doesn't it? That grace of being uh, uh, now equipped to do the mission, to represent Father, to move mountains, to walk and to be and to act with the power of Jesus as Jesus is a continuum for the church and that it's actually not decreasing, but it's actually increasing in the church and with the people of God. Now, I say all of this to say this could be, there could be an argument that you don't even, that you're not even aware of that's keeping you from a deeper press into Father. Because though there's 160 million charismatic Catholics and 500 million additional charismatic evangelicals across the earth, and it's the fastest growing expression of Christianity on the planet, though that's true, a large voice, a huge influence of Christianity has been the influence of cessationism. 
Now cessationism says, and cessationism is rooted, grounded, found, and expressed in many of our evangelical churches and in churches all across the world. And what it says is that the gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural realms of God, the revelatory gifts of God, this deep level of hearing and knowing and walking, this throne room walk of royalty, is it actually ended when the last apostle passed away. Not only when the last apostle passed away, but some cessationist, and the, ces the word cessation means having ceased. Some cessationists believe and teach, and this is in our churches all across America and across the world, they teach that when the canon of Scripture was closed, that was the end of the gifts of the Spirit and the supernatural release of power and grace and revelation and throne room kind of royalty for the Christian, that it was no longer needed. Have you heard this before? Now, I find it interesting that Catholicism is not in this camp. I also find it interesting that this camp was actually created to fight Catholicism. That if you research this in history, you'll find that John Calvin penned these doctrines during the Reformation to counteract Catholicism because Catholicism had with it ministers who were expressing signs and wonders, healings and power. Have you seen me post about St. Patrick, he's one of my favorites to post about because most of us see St. Patrick as related to the shamrock or related to the, what is it, the little, the clover leaf or related to the local pub, whatever. <laughs> bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. All right, so... Though most of us see it related to that, St. Patrick was a spirit-filled Catholic. St. Patrick, in the 6th century, St. Patrick was said to have raised 33 people from the dead. St. Patrick walked in the throne room. He walked in throne room experiences. He walked in revelatory gifts. St. Patrick led Ireland to the Lord. St. Patrick was a powerful voice. St. Patrick delivered people of demons, raised the dead, healed the sick, and had the word of the Lord near to him. St. Patrick was a common, ordinary Christian in that day as we ought to be in this. Oh, let us celebrate St. Patrick. Let us come up. Let us measure up to the royalty that we have been called to walk in as true sons and daughters. Cessationism puts some kind of an odd parenthetical, parenthetical, parenthesis, some kind of an odd interruption to the scriptures that we hold dear and dear, like... 
They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Like they shall cast out devils. Like they shall raise the dead. Cessationism, saying that those things have ceased, puts this odd pause on all of that and interjects something into the text that does not exist as if to say they shall do these things until the canon is sealed. Until the last apostle passes away. It's not in the Bible, church. It's not in the Bible, church. The life of royalty is for you every day. The life of royalty is for you every day. Coming in to the conversations of the heavenly, letting your spirit ascend into and tapping into, I'm, I'm telling you, the reason that we have gone from song services to praise and worship environments as we have over the last 30 years. I was raised with song services. Thank you. Please stand, all of you, every corner across the building. Thank you. Please stand. You back there. I, I said, everybody stand. Please, everybody stand. Thank you. All of you, thank you. Please turn to page 164 in your hymnal this morning, and we'll be singing all four verses. God bless you. In my heart, and there rings a melody, there rings a melody of heaven's harmony. In my heart, there rings a melody. Now, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit didn't work during those song services. He did, but he was progressing us through. It's interesting how the Holy Spirit is maturing us as sons and daughters. And he's maturing us generation by generation. And one generation's ceiling is the next generation's floor. And he's moving us from revival to revival and from glory to glory and from faith to faith. And he has this objective in mind that he will have a generation that will have the faith of Jesus. He will have a water-walking generation. He will have a dead-raising generation. He will have a healing generation. And they won't be dumb people. They'll know how to keep books. They'll know how to engineer buildings. They'll know how to work out equations. They'll know how to build cars. They won't be a dumb generation. They will be the smartest generation on the planet. And as God does this, even the length of their years will be expanded. Isaiah saw it coming, and he says, They will outwear the work of their hands, and their lifespan will be as that of a tree. His declaration was not a pre-rapture declaration. It was not a before the coming of the Lord or before this is wrapped up. I mean, a post-rapture declaration. It was a pre-rapture or a pre-second coming declaration. He saw coming a righteous generation wherein lifespans would be increased and they would have the lifespan of a tree. He actually says in Isaiah that, that it will be thought that him who dies before 100 years old will be thought to have been accursed. Remember reading this stuff? Isaiah 65, anybody in the building? Anybody read Isaiah? Anybody read the Bible? 
Hello? Just checking in. Let's go over to one of my favorites. I know that I'm on some favorite themes. Ephesians chapter 4. I, w- I want to just encourage you to ascend. Let yourself ascend. We ascend through meditation. Purposeful meditation on the beauty of the Lord will cause you to ascend the hill of the Lord. And I'm telling you, Satan knows that. That's why he's vying for your moment-by-moment attention, that you would have no devotion time, that you would have no time for prayer, you would have no time for worship. And what I was trying to say a moment ago is that the reason we've, we've evolved in the spirit from song services to what it is today is because we ascend in worship. He's enthroned in worship. He is lifted up and seen in a place of worship. Our spirits become one in worship and in praise. And we're brought out of the temporal and the common and the mundane and the profane. And we're brought into a unity with him when we ascend the hill of the Lord in praise and in worship and in meditation. And he loves this. Remember John 4, 34, 35, those that worship will worship in spirit and truth. And of such the Father is seeking. And of such the Father is seeking those who will worship him with an open heart, with a yieldedness. And that's why there's been an evolution and and. That evolution is not over. God just has to wean you off of loving your time and loving other things and wean you into the grace and the treasures at his right hand. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. How do I get there? I ascend the hill of the Lord. I behold his beauty. I tell myself that this realm of royalty and the realm of revelation that I get to enjoy in him is richer than what my phone is trying to tell me as it's buzzing in my back pocket. Than what I'm missing out on with the latest Instagram post that somebody just made. I counsel myself to buy the wine from above because that wine is sweeter than all others. And I put out of my mind these cessationist doctrines. 
See, unfortunately, what happens is when a doctrine has a mass appeal and it's had a broad effect in the church and well over half of the church has been taught this doctrine of cessationism, even if you haven't heard it, even if you haven't been taught it, even if you haven't been around it, its pervasive influence reaches into your life and it creates a question. Maybe I don't need to get any nearer than this. Maybe those who get closer than this are weirdos. Maybe those who hear more frequently than I hear are fruitcakes. Maybe those who say they have dreams or visions, maybe those people are a little, you know. Maybe that's not really for today. Maybe, maybe that was really only important as the cessationists say to establish the church. And now it's not relevant. And even though maybe you've never sat under that teaching or those doctrines, it has a pervasive power to influence Christianity and the whole of the church. And you must be sure you are resisting that folly that you are holding to the word, that you are believing what Jesus said. It's better that I go away, because if I go away, I'm going to send my spirit. I'm going to send the comforter, and he's going to show you all things. He's going to teach you all things. He's going to reveal all things to you. Did you know that, that actually, this is interesting, but I think we have kind of this feeling that there's some stuff that isn't supposed to get revealed and stuff Father doesn't want us to know. And really, I mean, we're just going to kind of bump along, make it to heaven, kind of be dummy heads till we get there. That is not the Word. The Word says the Holy Spirit's going to reveal all things. 1 Corinthians 2 tells us that the Spirit searches out the deep things of God. And in the Old Testament... In the Old Testament, eye had not seen, ear had not heard what had, entered in, what had entered into the heart of God. But now, the Bible says now, have we got that verse? I know I'm preaching better than we're following. You want my notes? I'll post my notes because, uh, because I'm actually using Scripture. I'm, I'm actually quoting the Bible, but you wouldn't know it. So, are you okay? I need the band to come. 1 Corinthians 2, 10. For to us God has revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Who among men knows the thoughts of man but the spirit of man who is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God. 
No one knows except the Spirit of God. But we have received the Spirit, not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not things, words taught by human wisdom, but those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Actually, the truth is, God's not withholding anything from you. The only secret that you don't know, because you're hidden in Jesus, and he's qualified you for every mystery, the only secret you can't know is the one that he doesn't know. He doesn't know the day or the hour. That's the only secret he doesn't know. He doesn't know the day or the hour. Every other secret you have been qualified for. And this is, this is the secret for the wisdom, the revelation, the power, the grace, the truth, the breakthroughs, the courage. Come on, stand with me this morning. I want to read my favorite to you. Maybe I'll wear you out with it. I know you've heard it before. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. This is Ephesians 4, 11 and following. For the building up of the body of Christ until, until, everybody say until. Until we all attain. Wow. This is, this is, this is the until we come into. This is the until that points us to maturity. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. You know what Father wants to do with you? He doesn't want to hide one thing from you, by the way. What Father wants to do with you? He wants to bring you in. He wants to bring you near. He's welcoming you into the deepest conversations. He's welcoming you because he's looking to the until day. He's looking for that until day. He longs for his sons and daughters to come into the full stature of the measure of the faith of Jesus. Do you think that'd be okay with you? Would that be okay with you to have the faith of Jesus? Would that be okay with you? How many of you would settle for that? How many of you would feel like you had actually, you were actually in a good spot if you had faith equal to Jesus? I think in the context we can understand that that means that we have the doubts equal to Jesus as well, right? We can't have the faith equal to Jesus unless we also have the doubts equal to Jesus. Zero. Zero doubts. The measure of that stature. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. 
Don't let one doctrine, one spirit, one enemy, one attitude, one theologian, one post on Google, don't let one thing keep you from the royalty that God has purchased for you in the Son. Don't let one thing keep you from waking up in the morning believing that you can ascend with worship, with praise, with thanksgiving, with meditation, with drawing near, with reverence, with reverence, you can ascend the hill of the Lord and your spirit come in, comes into the throne and your spirit and his become one in communion. Not just one in legality. Not just one in, yeah, I know I'm one with Jesus. No, no, no. One in expression. One in communion. One in communion. And you begin to tap into the resurrection life. You begin to tap in to the revelatory realm of glory that you're meant to tap into and to walk in. That will set you on a day. That will set you on a path. That will set you on a purpose. That's what God's ordained for us. Father, we ask you to grace our worship even more. We ask you to grace us as a house even richer. Grace us as a house. Lift up your hands with me, would you? And just come into agreement that the grace of the Lord increases in our midst. The grace of intimacy, the grace of fellowship, the grace of the outpouring of communion and the revelation of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural realm, the access into the throne, the oneness with the Spirit. We ask you that it would be even richer in our midst, that you would take us deeper, that you would school us in the school of transportation, where we would be transported into your realm, and we would allow you to be present and expressed in our realm. Let this union be richer in our midst, Jesus. We agree for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody says,